When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to the bullpen. I am James Roy and this is my co-host Tom. Uh, This is a Texans podcast and it is not an Astros podcast in case the bullpen name might have confused you. Uh, But before we get started, I'd just like to do some background on each of us. So Tom, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to to the fans? Good evening, James. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, really excited to get back to doing the bullpen. I know we we played with it a little bit early on. We made some changes. James is now running the show. I'm his wingman. And uh, really excited. I mean, the Texans are are doing some things. We're, we're gonna, obviously going to get into it. Myself, personally, uh, was doing both the MLB side on the PSF app and now doing the Houston Texans with the PSF app. But also being able to do this podcast for the Texans is going to be really uh, interesting uh, to be able to sit down and kind of get into a little bit more detail than we do uh, throughout the week with the PSF app. So really excited. All right. Yeah. And as as you may know or may not know, we both uh, host the 713 on the PSF app. It's live. It it covers game day, midweek, all of that. So tune in. Download the app, if you will, and also follow the Astros chat for Tom. He's in the Astros chat hosting in there. Um, I was hosting Texans takes on this feed, and now I've taken over uh, the bullpen with Tom. So uh, I'm excited to talk Texans and continue to talk to y'all. Um, and before we get started, you'll notice uh, we've plugged our socials on the uh, on the screen here, but you can follow me at M1TexansFan, and uh, Tom is Third Coast Tom on Twitter. And if you want to find the YouTube channel for this, it is also that. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump in and let's talk about week two against the Colts. Um, if you followed anything we've done outside of this, you'll know that I was hyper optimistic about this game. So it was a huge letdown for me. But I, I guess the biggest point to make is that CJ Stroud, has he arrived or is this just, you know, a, a stat pour out in a game that didn't really matter? That has been a big question that has been floated around on Twitter and in Texan circles. And so I'd like to start with your opinion on this, Tom. Is it stat padding? Is is it garbage time? Or did CJ genuinely have a great game? I would say there is a little level of both. It's gonna it's it's always gonna look that way, especially when you take into consideration the way the game kind of played out and how it wasn't always competitive. I think the Texans did what they could to try to stay in the ball game. But in the same token, you know, there there was a fairly amount, uh, a fairly decent amount of space between the Colts and the Texans. So I don't think there were too many, uh, there were too many buttons that they had to push. 
so on one hand, you can look at it as a stat pad. On the other hand, I mean, the Colts were relentless. They were coming. And the offensive line, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into some of the health concerns. I really feel like those things considered, CJ still had to do his work to try to push the ball down the field. And it was clear that that was going to happen. Like, it wasn't like they could be balanced. It wasn't like uh, Damian Pierce could be a focal point to kind of take some of the, the burden off of CJ. So in that regard, I think there were some strides that were definitely made. Clearly, I think his ability to protect the football should be noted. And I think regardless of, of what the score was, he was still able to do that. Uh, and, I mean, the Colts were allowed to tee off a little bit. So I take away a lot of positives from the game, even though the, the, the masses, maybe the national guys would probably say, oh, well, the game was out of reach. He was padding stats. I tend to look at the other way. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think there's some... I don't want to say there's some virtue to it, okay, but but I, I see where people are coming from because you look at a game, and personally, I felt it. Throughout the game, there was kind of this feeling, watching the Colts jump out 14 to nothing that the game was out of reach for a lot of it, just based on feeling, right? I would say the scoreboard never really indicated that the Texans were entirely out of the game, but being used to, as a Texans fan, watching teams break away and then the Texans never really be able to claw, claw their way back into it or like give us some false hope at the end of the game. Um, I see where fans are coming from there. I would say, you know, most of the game CJ Stroud was, was playing close enough that you can't say it was garbage time. Um, DJ BN Amy said that only the last drive was, um, was prevent defense. And I, I noticed that too. Um, I would say you, you look at the stats. I mean, when the Texans were within less than three scores, um, the, the CJ Stroud put up 240 yards in a touchdown. And when the game was three scores or greater apart, he put up 144 yards in a touchdown. So pretty decently even skew. Um, some people are saying the Colts were playing a soft zone later in the game. Um, but in general, I would say this is more indicative of CJ's skill level. Um, when you look at, once again, like you mentioned, the offensive line being as bad as it was, and then you also factor in how CJ performed under pressure. I, I've said it before. I, I think that he looks a little bit shaken in the pocket when the pressure's there, but the numbers would indicate that even when there was pressure, he performed impressively as a passer. Um, and so I, I don't think it was necessarily a garbage time stat padding thing. I think that CJ genuinely looked really good in spite of not having an incredible amount of, um, of talent around him. I, and there's some people that were saying that they thought that the uh, O-line performed uh, good, all things considered. Um, I think that if we're going to look at it and we're going to give them a pass for being backups, sure. Um, but in, in the end, the uh, O-line play was objectively awful. Josh Jones was an, o an open door, a revolving door, letting any defensive lineman in that he wanted. Um, and then, I mean, to get away from CJ and talk about the rest of the game, the, the pass rush from our side was also just non-existent. So the Colts were having their way offensively. And that's what made the game, to me, seem like it was is as far apart as it was was the fact that the defense wasn't applying pressure, so the Colts' offense was, even when they didn't score, they were moving the ball and holding it. So I'm honestly surprised CJ got as many yards as he did or the, as much offensive production as he did with as little time as he got with the ball from what it felt like. So, uh, I mean, that's my take on it. Speaking to the rest of the game, what do you think are the biggest things that held the Texans back in this game that need to change you know, over the course of this next week? 
I really feel like the main focus should be the overall health of the team. When you talk about the defense and their inept ability to control what Anthony Richardson was doing earlier and then what Gardner Minshew was able to do late, I think you really got to look at the, the safety play. Um, the, the week prior, we kind of uh, praised the safety play a little bit. Jalen Petrie went out early. Jimmy Ward still hasn't suited up for the Texans yet. And they were able to limit the damage that uh, Lamar Jackson was able to do. You look, you fast forward to this past weekend, and I think the safeties were probably, you know, exposed more than I would have ever thought even the backups could have been exposed. A lot of third down conversions, you know, you saw Tavier Thomas get uh, targeted. You saw MJ Stewart get targeted. And if that's Petrie, if that's Ward, these are probably different scores and this is probably a different game um, on the defensive side of the ball. I think if you want to go individually into some of the details, uh, linebacker play probably could have been better. There was, like you said, no pass rush. On a positive note, Derek Stingley Jr. was only targeted one time. And I think whether they were unwilling or whether he was just that good on that side of the ball, they really, they really just stayed away from him. So um, I think on the defensive side of the ball, that that's really like the most concerning to me. We'll, we'll get into the, 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 the offensive side of the ball and, and I'll let you kind of gloss through it where I think a, a healthy O-line probably gives them a better ability to run the ball and be more balanced. I think the, the score got away from them so early that it kind of like forced their hand a little bit more than they wanted. Yeah, and, and to speak to the offense, um, a lot of people after week one said, why didn't Damian Pierce get the ball? I was one of those people. Um, why didn't we hand the ball off more 11 carries? Why, why is he not getting more opportunities? And then we saw this week that he got – I want to say it was 14 or 15 carries. It wasn't significantly more. And a trend that, that I pointed out in the middle of the game, and, and you also pointed out, um, was that they were literally handing him the ball right into the back of an offensive line that's broken. And so what we were getting was he was not getting any blocking, and then he was running square. He, his style is just angry run. He's not trying to make people miss. He's trying to run right through you. And it turns out that if he can't build up that momentum, he's just not going to go anywhere. So... I think the longest run we saw from him was about five yards. I could be mistaken, but he, he didn't really get the opportunity. And we, and we were saying the whole time, why, why are we not running off tackle and, and getting him outside into open space to give him a chance to work? He is a downhill runner. It's not like he's going to do a lot of dancing on the outside, but he, he, maybe he could pick up a, a head of steam and, and run through someone. So that was a big thing for me is, is figuring out the run game. You could almost say that this team needs to shift. They, they've been very clear in the media that they're a run first team but they've not played that way and they've played some of their best offensive football when they don't treat it as a run first thing. Um, so you could say that maybe in the game plan, they shift more towards a um, passing to open up the run game kind of thing. Um, maybe give that a shot since it's worked so well and maybe try and get ourselves in a position where we don't have to rely on CJ to throw it 45 times a game. Cause I'll tell you at the end of the season, after throwing it 45 times a game, we're, we're, we're putting in past one year of, of where, on that arm. And, and, you know, I, I don't really ever think about that in football because it's so rare, but it just seems like that's what he's going to end up doing. If we keep going down this path is just throwing his arm all the way out, trying to carry this team. And so that's the big thing for me. And then, you know, you said it health, health is a big thing. Um, but, and you also said it defensively, the pass rush was the biggest thing that needs to change. 
Will Anderson was present and he made some pushes, but he might as well have not been there because nothing that he did really meaningfully slowed down the Colts because the pass rush was literally just not there at all. So I think that if we're going to, I mean, and you've seen it from the Jaguars, just slightly looking ahead, Trevor Lawrence is one of those quarterbacks that's similar to CJ Stroud. When, he, when you put pressure on him, it, he's not one to always rise above it, at least appearance wise. The eye test would show you that he gets a little shaken when you apply a pressure, but if you don't, Trevor Lawrence will just run right through you. So I, I, I am concerned in that regard as to how the Texans handle uh, fixing the defense. Cause I think that's the biggest part that fell apart. We, we got it. I told you it during, during our live stream on the PSF app, but I would equate it to the Astros, how you're either going to get hitting or you're, or you're going to get good pitching. It's rare that you get both in the same night. And so, you know, we gave them uh, in, in week one, it felt like the defense showed up and then over time eroded because the offense wasn't really producing. And then in week two, it felt like Stroud finally got a grip of it, but the defense never had their footing. And so I, I'd like to see a game from the Texans where both sides of the ball work. And I, I hope that we can do it against Jacksonville. Otherwise, it's just going to be a hard game to watch. So on that note, we've talked about health. Um, you got Tavier Thomas this week, just broke his hand. It was, it was actually announced that he played this game with a broken hand. Um, the earliest that we're going to see the, the, the remedy to this is likely week four, but I I'd like to know if you think that if Laramie Tunsil plays this week, say, let's say Laramie Tunsil plays and maybe one of our safeties comes back. Do you, how do you think that impacts the game against the Jaguars? Do you think that that could be something that helps the Texans maybe push closer to competing with the Jaguars in this one? I would have to think that it would only simply for the fact that they would be able to get to something that resembles kind of how they looked in the preseason, which I felt like there was a lot of optimism coming out of preseason play because of some of these guys being able to, you know, show a little bit. Uh, whether it was Denzel Perryman with an interception or something like that. Just just those things, when you add a, a safety like Jimmy Ward or or possibly uh, Petrie, or if you add a a just an absolute, no doubt, best left tackle in all of football to be able to solidify that line where now maybe you move Josh Jones over, so now you're, you're not losing all the pieces. I think it's definitely going to help something in the run game because right now we really just have not seen Damian Pierce look like the guy he looked like last year. And I think for CJ Stroud to get the, the benefit of having the time that he needs to really dissect a defense, they're going to have to prove that they can run the football and at least like soften that up to where now you're going to be able to be balanced. We're, we're not going to be able to tee off on you. And I don't know if I, I think part of what you're saying with with passing to run the ball would work. However, I I want to say in in the game with Indy they tried to do that, and that led to disaster early on, and they got behind early, and and then it was like well we had to abandon the run to play catch up. So it's kind of like a double edged sword. I really don't know what the answer is. I'm really hoping that Bobby Sloak will take a page out of Shane Steichen's book because when you looked at what he did with Anthony Richardson and even when you looked at what he did with uh, Gardner Minshew, 
they're really able to manage the game and not do too much, but be really successful. I, I think there were times where uh, Anthony Richardson was able to get out in space and have a little run pass option. I think there were times where, okay, now I've got Gardner, who's more of a pocket presence. I made quick, short, decisive plays to get his athletes the ball in four or five yards and then let them create. And I feel like some of the plays that I saw from the Texans were like a little more long developing. And with the line that wasn't already that good, you really can't afford to make CJ wait around with the ball in his hand. And uh, it really just didn't favor him. Stroud's pocket presence can be great when he has blocking, but one of the things that, that he's known to be good at is literally throwing on the run and, there was just so few times uh, I, I felt like he did a decent job of eluding pressure, but I, I didn't feel like he was set up a lot to, to throw on the run, to roll out. And when he was, he, he did it really well. He places the ball really well. But to speak to your point, I, I mean, if, if it's passing, if it's rushing, whatever it takes, get something going in order to open up the other one. I, I literally just like to see the Texans do well to start the game instead of waiting three or four drives to produce anything. So that, that's my thought on that. And then, you know, if, if we look at what D'Amico said immediately following the game, he's asked about injuries. I believe it was by Cody uh, Cody Davis of uh, Locked On, but I could be wrong. I think he's the one who brought it up. Um, but if injuries, injuries happen, it's part of the game. And so it's next man up. And I know that that sounds cheese. It sounds like something that coaches say because they have to say something and they can't just say, sorry, we're injured. Try again next week. Um, but... But D'Amico, to, to all to every extent that I know, means it. I mean, it, he he spoke about it candidly, and I like the way he put it. It's just an opportunity for the next guy behind to prove that he he could deserve more playing time, that he could be that guy. And so um, I, we didn't really see that from too many people stepping up. Uh, I will say that Henry Toa Toa stepped up and played a little more than Christian Harris in the middle, and uh, and he would he did really well. Um, but overall, I mean. Injuries happen. It's a part of the game. Um, and I, I, I actually, so Toa Toa stepped in and he played well. I don't know if he stepped in for Harris. I, I take that back. But either way, next man up mentality is is real. And that's how I know that, that D'Amico Ryans isn't just saying something to make us happy. Because, you know, most coaches would just leave it at, oh, it's next man up and then stop. But he, I feel like the way he explained it gave me reason to believe that he legitimately means that. And, and I think that Nick and, and the front office did their best to make sure that we were prepared for this. You know, Josh Jones and George Fant both started a significant amount of games over the past few years. Um, granted, Josh Jones didn't get a lot of experience at tackle, but he has played it. He has started a couple of games at that position. And so, uh, I mean, injuries happen, and the Texans prepared as best they could. Until we get this roster evaluated without the injuries, I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. I'm going to... Just keep pressing on, okay? But with that, looking forward, the Texans in week three, considering week four is, is the deadline for injuries to start maybe not being that big, um, considering that the guys that are out right now are not on IR, and the guys that are on IR, except for Kenyon Green, are eligible to come back week four. Um, you have to think that we're going to get better at that point. But we have to look ahead to Jacksonville, a team that's – been the consensus to win the AFC South since before the season started. Um, not not much has changed there, even though they've had um, a shaky go of it. And they gave they gave the Chiefs a good run uh, in a seventeen to nine you know bra full on you know just went at it and tried to get that win. Um, but 
now they're playing the Texans, and I, I firmly believe that that rivalries affect how games are played, and there's no team in the division that has more reason to be a rival of the Texans than the Jacks, the Jaguars. You could argue the Titans with the whole Oilers thing, but the Jaguars literally don't have any history with the exception of maybe a couple years outside of playing the Texans. So they're, this is a division rivalry that is two teams that just don't have other rivals in term, outside of the division, right? The Colts have the Jets. The Colts have Baltimore. There's so much bad blood between them and other teams. So I firmly believe that when a rivalry like this happens, anything can happen. And so over the past 10 or since 2017, we've seen a nine game win streak that just ended last season where the Texans beat the Jaguars in years that they really shouldn't have been able to do that. And so I looking into this game, I, I just want to ask you point blank. Do you think, do you believe that, or do you think the Texans legitimately have a chance to take on the Jaguars and possibly win this game this week? I mean, I'm always optimistic. I, I feel like, this team was assembled with the with the idea that they were going to try to compete a little bit in the division. I think the Texans don't trade away their own first round pick if they thought they were going to be bad. And I, I, obviously, I'm sure that was something that was probably a sticking point when they did it with you know uh, Arizona to jump up to get Will Anderson Jr. However. I, I genuinely believe that that Nick and and D'Amico and and crew thought that this team could be, you know, better than the Vegas odds. I think it's six and a half wins or something like that. Yeah. So, I know that Jacksonville is is further along in their in their rebuild, so to speak, with Trevor Lawrence being a couple of years in, and and just some of these pieces. Calvin Ridley was a nice add, I think. However. If anything, if, if the last game has showed you anything, they were they were at home and they had every reason to take it to Kansas City and they had trouble scoring points. So if you're gonna tell me that this team, which I don't think Kansas City's defense is, you know, anything incredible, um, serviceable, yes, middle of the pack probably, but should Jacksonville have been able to put more than nine points on the board against this Kansas City Chiefs team? Probably. So if they're struggling, maybe this is a chance for the Texans to catch them at a point where they're not necessarily firing on all cylinders and make a game of it. I don't know that I'll, I'll just jump out there and go, oh, I think they can win this game. I think if everything, if perfect storm, everything falls the way it's supposed to, it's possible. Yeah, it certainly is. I And I, I guess I already, I already went all in on, on explaining that, but I mean, in, in the PSF chat, I, I dropped my score prediction already. I'll, I'll save it till we get to that point. But I don't have the Texans winning this week um, in my prediction, mainly because they're in Jacksonville. Um, I feel like if it was in Houston, I'd probably give them a close victory just because I firmly believe the Texans can split the division. Um, that Obviously, they lost to the Colts at home. That kind of messes with that theory. But at the end of the day, the Texans are capable of winning three division games in my eyes. Uh, it's going to be tough to go into Indianapolis and get that third one. So you either beat the Jags twice, beat the Titans twice, or win in Indianapolis to split each series. Um, so speaking to this game, I mean, my my personal view of the Jaguars, and you know, it could be, it could be considered a hot take. I, I, I'll say it to anyone who will listen to me. I think Trevor Lawrence is just the slightest bit overrated. I think that, that the clock on him is running low. Um, where people can forgive him for, for his shortcomings because he's, he's young and he's, he's the next big thing and he just needs time to develop. Um, and additionally, 
I, you know, Calvin Ridley took a year off of football. Deshaun Watson also did that. And, and very few people have taken a year off of football and come back and been great. He did have a great week one, but he fell a, a little short against the, the Chiefs and didn't exactly have a great game. Um, I'm not exactly super high on Calvin Ridley personally. And then the rest of the receiving core is a lot of returning faces that are guys that are okay. Christian Kirk and Zay Jones can hold their own and play the role of receiver two and three. Um, especially with a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, who as overrated as I think he is, is, is definitely serviceable. He can get them the ball. And so the Jaguars offense, um, Travis Etienne gives me reason to be worried that they might give the Texans a, a defense a bit of a challenge, along with the fact that Trevor Lawrence, while a little overrated in my eyes, can step up and play. So from that regard, I think that'll be a good battle, and I think the Texans defense is going to get tested there. Um, the Jaguars defense concerns me. I think it's the first time this season that the Texans offense is truly going to be tested because not only is the O-line going to be bad and the pass rush is going to get there, but th like at every level, like the the we talked to the Colts guys last week and the Colts secondary is not exactly a, a strong unit. So like even if the O-line's not there, Stroud gets it out. It's not like the coverage is, is airtight, whereas the Jaguars in every level have a defense that is really good. And so the concern is, is that if CJ's rushed, we could see his first pick this week. We could see a lot of bad things happen if, if he doesn't keep his composure and make the right decisions. This defense is going to hold him accountable more than other defenses would. But I, I'd like to hear your take on it. We can end with your score, score prediction, but what, what are your big things you're looking at going into this game against the Jaguars? I think for me, it's going to be able to run the football and stop the run. I know that's kind of probably cliche. It's probably, you know, a standard take. But I think for the Texans, that that is going to be, one, it's something that they've struggled with mightily in years past. And so far, they, they I mean, Moss looked really, really good last week. And if they're not going to be able to stop the run, it's just going to allow offenses to basically pick and choose their spots to slowly matriculate the ball up the field or, or take big shots because you're able to get five or six yards on first down. Uh, and, and for the Texans to be successful, I really feel like they have to establish a run. You have to see a more concerted effort to get Damian Pierce in any sort of position to be successful to, you know, allow that defense, something else to think about. So we can't just tee off on CJ Stroud and this offensive line that is battered and bruised and needs all the help it can get right now. Uh, I hate that. Uh, I think his name's Dalton Reisner. I hate that he ended up signing somewhere else. He was out there, somebody they could have had. Um, he signed with Minnesota. Yep. Yep. I, I, I felt like when, when, when the tea leaves were being read, you know, Hey, where's he going to go? Uh, the fact that Houston could have been an option would have been nice. I mean, I, I think you can never have enough support in the trenches, and that's sort of played out so far. Uh, as far as the game, as far as the score, uh, ETN is is probably going to be the biggest concern for me because he's he's a dual-threat guy. He can run it. He can catch it. And uh, when you have a running back like that, getting him out into space – a la Eckler and Barkley and 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 B. John Robinson, these guys, they're game wreckers. They they can go for a hundred yards on the ground and then go for 70 to 80 yards in the air and score two times. So I really look for this to be more of a low scoring game. I I hope uh my expectation is that the Jaguars struggles on offense will continue. There'll be a lot of bogged down drives. 
I'm looking at like a, a, a 21-17 Jags win is what I think will eventually happen. Uh, obviously, I'd love for that to be flipped, right? But I think that's the score of this game, whether it's the Texans figuring out our way or the Jaguars. I think it'll be uh, within a score. I think the offense continues to progress. I think we see a more balanced attack, and I think it's just going to be one of those who whoever's got the ball last makes a drive to get it done. I know you're a big narrative guy, so I think that that's (laughs) kind of where I'm seeing it. A big narrative guy. Um, So uh, earlier you said Travis Etienne, another guy in the running back room that that they got out of Auburn rookie Tank Bigsby has been getting a a good bit of action. He's a guy to look out for, a bruiser. Um, And and I agree we need to get the run game going. That's going to be a big part of what we're doing. Um, I'd also like to point out, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I don't believe Trevor Lawrence has thrown a touchdown pass against the Texans. I could be wrong. It's a low number. He has a lot more interceptions than he does touchdown passes against the Texans. His his stat line um, playing us is quite abysmal. He is, and that's probably why I think he's underrated. Is because he just as as men, much as he's done statistically against other teams and through it, he's like a four thousand yard guy every season he's played, and he and he does well through the season. But like to play that garbage against teams that like for most of his career the Texans have not been good. And they've they've locked him down. I'd love to see what this Texans defense does with Jimmy Ward or Petrie healthy. Um, we'll see who they slot in at the nickel cornerback instead of Tavier Thomas. But I'm interested to see what the Texans can do. Maybe though the Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin will probably get it. And he's former Jaguar. He's looking for revenge. So that'll be fun. As as for my prediction, it's close to yours. It's 24 to 17 uh, for the Jaguars. I I just think. I I agree with you. Low scoring, um, you know. I I think that in the end the Texans will remain close for most of the game. But it just unless we find the big thing that I'd be looking for to possibly win this game, right? My key that could change that is this Texans team for the past year or two has been in positions where um, it, it, you feel helpless at the end of a game because you go if you go into the last possession down, you know you don't have that guy that Tom Brady that Peyton Manning that quarterback that you know is going to step onto the field and orchestrate a, a drive, right? You know, even you could say Eli Manning or Tony Romo, guys that, that led the league in fourth quarter comebacks in their time. Um, so having Stroud, if Stroud develops that, there are times in the game where I really felt like Stroud could move the ball. It was methodical. It was great. And so if we can get that out of Stroud in, in this game, then that could be the difference. It could push in overtime. It could make this game more interesting. Even if it happens early and we just take over, the Texans could win. It's just a matter of that. It, that's the feeling, and I think that's the thing that's guiding a lot of people to say, you know, it's just garbage time or I'm not impressed by what Stroud did, is that when he steps onto the field, you know, down 31 to 20, and he orchestrates a drive and it results in attempting a field goal that's missed, all the air comes out of, the, out of that drive, out of that team. That was like the last chance to make it a one-score game, and a, a better quarterback might have led a touchdown drive on that drive and put us in a position to, you know, go for two, kick the field goal on the next drive if we get the ball back. Um, so there's just a different feeling when your quarterback is capable of being clutch. It's a clutch gene. And to this point, two games in, Stroud's been impressive statistically um, in a lot of ways, but the clutch gene is not something we've seen him do at the pro level. We know he has it. To some extent, he's done it at other levels of the game. It's just a matter of can Stroud be clutch. That's what's going to be the difference between Texans winning or losing today. So 
I guess before before we get off, uh, final remarks. You know, what, what else is there to say? It's- the one thing that I think that I don't believe is getting enough, at least discussion, uh, and things that I've seen on social media and stuff like that, is that as much as we're paying attention to the progression of C.J. Stroud, as much as we're paying attention to the progression of guys like Tank Dell and Xavier Hutchinson. And a lot of these other young guys on this team, Toa Toa, stuff like that. The one thing that I don't believe that a lot of people are, 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 are at least discussing, in my opinion, is that Bobby Slowick, this is his first, he was a passing game quarterback, or, or coordinator, I'm sorry, and this is his first time with, with all the controls. Um, while I, I don't want to say that the defensive coordinator it's his first go at it because I, I believe D'Amico is kind of pushing buttons and that that was his role. I still feel like all of this is still kind of brand new being at the head of the table where before you were just an assistant to someone. So I feel that as Bobby Sloan gets more comfortable in his own skin, as, as some of these other uh, coaches and coordinators get more comfortable in, in their own skin, this team's going to gel a little bit better. You're going to see more uh, successful, I think scheme, because, okay, we've had some time, see what works, what doesn't work. Okay, we can't do what we did in, in San Fran because we don't have the personnel, so we've got to tweak it, things of that nature. So I just feel like not only are we watching those guys progress, we're watching these coaches progress with them. Yeah, and and I know, so you're an Air Force veteran. I'm currently active duty Navy. And so I would the way I would compare this situation with Slowick and the reason that I, I still feel confident in him I, I agree. He's new. He's fresh. This is the first time he's had the reins, but I have confidence in him because of where he came from. I, having been in a lot of different working environments in my military experience, um, when you're surrounded by guys that, that are truly great and you, you're in an environment where, where it's believed that you are the best, your, your ship or whatever unit you're a part of is truly the best, you, you develop this sense of self-worth and, and capability and you learn from the best and you become the best. And so Bobby Slowick, was in San Francisco. I'm not even concerned that he spent the, he's, he's a PFF analyst. He spent the early part of his coaching career on the defensive side of the ball. None of that concerns me mainly because being on the defensive side of the ball means he's probably better at reading defenses. But the, the biggest part that sticks with me is, is that he spent that time in San Francisco surrounded by great minds. We look at the coaching tree of Kyle Shanahan, which is the coaching tree of Gary Kubiak, the greatest coach in Texans history. It's not close. Um, and, and we can we can look at it and we can say, oh, wow, yeah, this guy came from greatness. He was he was around it. He was treated like he was great because the 49ers did great and he was a part of it. And now he's here bringing that confidence in just like D'Amico is. And so I my the ship has not sailed on Bobby Slowick. You know, surprisingly enough, two weeks into the season, I'm not out on our rookie offensive coordinator or our rookie head coach or our rookie quarterback or our, rookie everything. Right. I'm not out on it. It's been two weeks. So. Yeah, I agree. Strong points there. Um, I, I guess with that, we can go ahead and move into closing. Um, Tom, where where can they find you at on, uh, on the social media? The easiest place, the fi- fastest place to get a hold of me, at Third Coast Tom on Twitter or X or whatever you prefer to call it. Uh, <laughs> I, I tend to live there. I mean, I do have other socials. I don't necessarily use them as much, so I don't promote them. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be there uh, with this, with uh, PSF, like we talked about, another app uh, where we're doing Texans work there as well. You can definitely find me there. 
We're looking to build that up and build the uh, the fan base and, and the brand. So definitely appreciate you guys downloading that app. Come checking it out. It's not just for Texans fans. If, if you're into the Astros, if you're into other sports franchises, it's out there. They're going to cover every sport. They're going to have something for you no matter what you're looking for. Definitely go check out the PSF app if you get a chance. And that's where you'll find me. I like that plug. And if you're a Texans fan and you're really serious about it, we're looking for power fans. And that is that is fans that spark the conversation and get it started in the chat room. And so if you're interested in that, I, I, we just got the update on the app and I have the authority to make you one. I, I will I'll take out my my King Arthur sword and I will bestow <laughs> upon you the power of super power fan um, if you so desire to wield it. So you can find me on social media at M1 Texans fan on Instagram, TikTok, mostly on Twitter. And that is also the app you can look up on YouTube to find the channel where this will be posted for video. So if you're not watching it and you'd like to watch it um, on YouTube, you can do it there. Or this will also be posted on the artist, the app formerly known as Twitter, that 60% of users <laughs> still call it Twitter. Um, 60, more like 80. I, I there, there was some sort of study that was dropped. Like they did like a, a sample and it's 60%, I believe, is the amount of people that still call it that. I st It's still weird to me when people go, yeah, I on X. And I'm like, on x what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> but that's it for the show um thanks for tuning in if you like what you saw like comment subscribe whatever, whatever it is that you do on on the platform that you're on that would indicate that you liked what you saw you could you could do that that would be great it would help us out a lot we appreciate all the support of anyone who's willing to watch us to talk about the texans especially in trying times like this where they are zero two and it have been <laughs> very few things that are fun to watch about it that that's when it's best that's when you develop thick skin as a fan is, is in times like these but don't worry there's a light at the end of the tunnel it's been real it's been fun thanks for tuning in i have been james roy this has been tom and until next time h-town forever yeah <laughs> all right